and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. At first, comparing Palestinian gunmen in the Israeli-occupied West Bank to rioting youth in France may resemble likening apples to pears. In many ways, it is. Youth in France are full-fledged French citizens, demanding an end to disenfranchisement, marginalization, alienation, and racism. That is where Palestinians would like to be after 56 years of occupation, with no prospect for independence or integration into Israel, with the kind of rights accorded to all, irrespective of ethnicity or religion, by French law, even if reality in France offers a different picture. Yet, armed Palestinian resistance and French rioting have a common message. Violence results from governmental and societal failure to acknowledge and address social, economic, political, and or national aspirations, including racism, discrimination, disenfranchisement, and law enforcement and security force brutality. Palestinian fighters and French rioters signal that violence will recur and likely escalate as long as governments reduce structural defaults to law enforcement, security, and terrorism issues. The difference between France and Israel is that French President Emmanuel Macron acknowledges the underlying problem, while Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu sees force, repression, and intimidation as the way to disappear problems and bend Palestinians to his will. Both Messieurs Macron and Netanyahu are driven as much by a political vision as politics and a perceived need to cater to the right, far-right, and ethnic and religious prejudices. Mr. Macron has promised to investigate what led to the police shooting last month of 17-year-old Dahel Merzouk during a traffic stop in the Paris suburb of Nanterre. The June 27 killing sparked six days of riots across France, with protesters looting shops, setting cars alight, destroying bus stops, and pelting police with fireworks that wounded some 800 law enforcement officers. France needs order, calm, unity, and then to work on the deep causes of what happened, Mr. Macron said. Mr. Macron is not the first French leader to promise to tackle the violent protests root causes. But like his predecessors, he will likely discover that failure to follow through means problems will fester and deepen societal divides. So far, Mr. Macron's words appear to be little more than sweet talk. He seems more concerned about stymieing far-right efforts to capitalize on its anti-immigrant and strong law enforcement messaging, even if he is likely to take heart from a poll carried out during last week's riots that showed his highest approval rating since March at 33%. As a result, the first legislative response to the riots was a law enforcement bill passed by Parliament that activist charge threatens to curb democratic freedoms and oversight of the police. 
The bill allows police to secretly access suspects' cameras, microphones, and location via their mobile phones and employ surveillance drones. It also criminalizes helping to identify on-duty officers with obvious harmful intent, punishable by up to five years in prison and an $89,800 fine. In addition, authorities are fast-tracking legal proceedings against some 3,600 detained protesters with an average age of 17. French courts are working overtime to process the arrests, including opening their doors on weekends with fast-track hearings around an hour long and same-day sentencing. Like other authoritarians, France expands the reach, capabilities, and competences of its law enforcement instead of addressing the root causes of failed integration policies, treated scholar Andreas Creed. In contrast to Mr. Macron, Mr. Netanyahu and his government, the most ultra-nationalist and ultra-conservative religious cabinet in Israeli history, refuse to acknowledge that they face existential issues that extend far beyond the prime minister's assertion of terrorism. Speaking to an Israeli parliament committee days before Israel launched a massive military assault on a refugee camp in the West Bank town of Jenin, a hotbed of Palestinian militancy, Mr. Netanyahu asserted that the Jewish state needs to crush the Palestinian ambition for an independent state. Mr. Netanyahu vowed, the extensive operation in Jenin is not a one-off. We will not allow Janine to go back to being a city of refuge for terrorism. Israeli forces this week launched their largest military scale in decades in Janine, killing at least 12 Palestinians, wounding scores of others, and leaving widespread destruction across the refugee camp. Days later, two members of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine were killed in the West Bank town of Nablus in a gunfight with Israeli troops. Rather than focus on the existential issues confronting both Israelis and Palestinians, liberal Israeli commentators highlighted the domestic political aspects of the Israeli assault. Respected columnist Svi Barel titled one of his latest Haaretz columns, Netanyahu's Jenin Op was a sedative for the settlers. Mr. Barel was referring to Israeli vigilante attacks against Palestinians in response to Palestinian assault on Israelis. Like the French riots, the worst since mass protests in 2005, the latest bout of Israeli-Palestinian violence demonstrates that 56 years of harsh occupation punitive attempts to squash Palestinian resistance and aspirations, and settlement activity aimed at changing the West Bank's demographics have failed. Israel, like France, confronts a festering wound that will not be healed or go away by applying band-aids, ignoring the problem's existence, or using a sledgehammer. If anything, the wound will continue to fester. The problem may be very different in Israel and France, and so is the solution. In both cases, the solution is political 
rather than coercive. There is no reason to believe that Israel or France has the political will to tackle the violence's root causes. Without that, there is not much light, if any, at the end of the tunnel. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you. Take care and best wishes.